The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. There are a few verses in the Bible where repentance and the word salvation are mentioned together. Is repentance required for our sins to be wiped clean? Is it necessary to be born again? Today we'll look at 2 Corinthians 7.10 and at Romans 2.4. Thank you for joining us today on Grace in Focus. This is the radio broadcast and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Find out more about us and you can give to our ministry as well on our website, faithalone.org. We also produce videos on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You can find them at the Grace Evangelical Society's YouTube channel. Now with today's question and answer discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates. Well, uh, Ken, I think you have a question from Donna about repentance, and I think it's taking me to task, although we're not sure who wrote the article she's commenting on. It may have been by you. Yeah, she addresses this note to you, but the article may have been written by me. She talks about repentance. She says that our sins cannot be wiped out unless we repent. And she takes that to be basically the same thing as being saved from hell, the lake of fire. And here's her question. How do you come to your conclusion that repentance is not necessary to be born again? What I like about this question is she then goes on to list, oh, maybe 11 verses in the New Testament that she says indicate or teach that we have to turn from our sins or we have to repent in order to be born again. So we can pick a couple of these. Um, Okay, before we do, let me just say that I did write my uh, doctoral thesis or dissertation at Dallas Seminary on repentance and salvation in the New Testament. I did come to the conclusion at that time that there were 11 verses in the New Testament that said you need to repent in order to be born again. But I later was confronted by something Zane Hodges said and wrote And he was my first reader on my dissertation. But I think the result of my dissertation was he came to be convinced that repentance is not a condition of everlasting life anywhere. And it took me, oh, about 10 or 12 years after my dissertation, but I came to be convinced there aren't any such verses. And so I've written a book called Turn and Live, The Power of Repentance, and I would urge Donna and I would urge anyone to take a look at that book because I go through all of the passages dealing with repentance. There are 55 New Testament passages that deal with metanoia or metanoia, the words for repent and repentance, and none of them deal with the condition of everlasting life. So let's take a look at a few of the ones she mentioned. A lot of times people will look at a verse and see repentance in it and assume that it's talking about eternal life or how to be saved from the lake of fire. Or something right. like that. But when you look at the context, it's not. And in Donna's case, I'm going to take the very first one. This one is Second Corinthians 7, verse 10. Paul mentions repentance. And he mentioned salvation in the same verse. Yes. I'll go ahead and read it. Well, I'll read it from her. She uses the NIV. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, since Bob wrote his dissertation on this, he knows a lot more about this than I do. But the first thing that I would point out about 2 Corinthians 7 is, who's he talking to? 
Yeah, he's talking to believers <laughs> about the salvation of believers. Yes. Deliverance from God's judgment in this life. And by the way, in my dissertation, I argued that repentance was simply a change of mind. Mm-hmm. Later, I came to see that repentance is always a change of mind about our sins. In the 11 verses, I thought it was a change of mind about Christ. But no, this passage is talking to believers about the salvation of believers And he's talking about the fact that the earlier letter he had written resulted in their repentance. And I want to pick up on that because a lot of people would say, oh, you guys are, you're just reading your theology in. But all you got to do is look at verse 8. Is Paul talking to unbelievers how to go to heaven when he says, for even if I made you sorry with my letter? Who's he talking about? He wrote a letter to the believers believers at Corinth. Now, there were four letters to the Corinthians at least, and only two of them are in Scripture. But this could refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where he challenges them because there was a believer in their church who was married to his father's second wife, and this was an atrocity. Uh, He basically took the younger wife away from his father So in 1 Corinthians 5, he says, I've delivered such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved or healthy in the day of Christ Jesus. Which is probably a reference to the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. But read verse 8 then. And so he goes, I wrote this letter for even if I made you sorry. And in verse 10, he's going to talk about sorrow. So Paul wrote this letter that made them sorry. I do not regret it. And he's going to talk about regret in verse 10 as well. Though I did regret it, for I perceived that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. And so he's talking about this fact that he wrote this letter and it made them, would we say, repent? We made them sorry. It made them change their view about whatever it is that he wrote them about. And the famous repentance chapter in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son goes off to the far country and he becomes sorry in the far country. He experiences famine. No one would give him anything. He's feeding the pigs. Bad job for a Jewish boy. And he ends up, because of his sorrow, coming to his senses and going back to the father. Right. Well, he was a believer before he went away. He was a son of his father the whole time. But he was out of fellowship with his father. That's why when he returns, his father says, this my son was dead, but is alive again. It didn't mean he was born again, lost it, and was born again again. He means he was in fellowship. He was out of fellowship. Now he's back in fellowship with me. And that's what this is talking about is that godly sorrow can lead the believer who's out of fellowship with God to be back in fellowship with God. And when we talk about the salvation here, Paul tells us what the salvation is in the very next verse, that this letter, he says in verse 11, for observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligent it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you prove yourselves to be clear in this matter. In other words, they were not doing what pleased God. And Paul writes this letter, they repented and they cleaned up their act. Yes. That's the salvation. Now they're doing the right thing. Just a quick word here about our online seminary. It begins again in February for the spring semester. Classes are free if you maintain a 3.0 GPA. We offer an unaccredited MDiv degree, and this spring you'll find classes on Bibliology and Ecclesiology with Bob Wilkin, 
Second Semester of New Testament Greek, New Testament Survey, Old Testament Survey, Soteriology, and Logos Bible Software. To register and for more details, go to gesseminary.org. Now let's return to our topic of the day. And again, any reader can look at the context here in 2 Corinthians 7 that this repentance is Christian repentance. Amen. And And most commentators point that out. Sure. Yeah, what Bob is saying is we're not the only one who Mm -hmm. are saying this. We'll just pick for the rest of our time here another verse, just picking them at random. Donna also mentions Romans 2, 4. And in Romans 2, 4, Paul says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Yeah, now in Romans 2, he's dealing with the moralist. He's not actually talking about the readers per se. He's talking about this moralist who thinks somehow he can be good enough to be saved by his works or to have everlasting life by his works or be justified by his works. And where this is headed is Romans 3.20 and 21, that no one can be justified by works or by the works of the law. And that it's only by faith in Christ, Romans three twenty one to 31, that a person can be justified till the end of chapter 4, can be justified by faith apart from works. And the moralist is a person who, as he says in the first couple verses of chapter 2, yeah, I don't do what these other people do. You know, right. I, I'm good. I'm better. I'm good to go. I deserve to get in because I'm a cut above the rest. Exactly. Yeah. Those, those doggone pagans that Paul talked about in chapter 1, yeah, they are nasty. And God's wrath needs to be in their life. And by the way, I know you're going to get to it, but the wrath here is God's temporal, what we see in this world. Right. And he says, yeah, those pagans deserve it. You know, they're sexually immoral. They don't love their families. I don't do those kind of things. All right. And how many times does repentance occur in the epistle of Paul to the Romans? I believe it only occurs right here. One time. Right. Romans 2, 4. Right. It does not occur between 321 and 425, which is the justification section. You would certainly expect it in the justification section if repentance was a condition of being justified before God. And I might point out, Donna... That if you read Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is where Paul is defending his gospel of justification by faith alone, right? Mm -hmm. And he talks about a false gospel in Galatians 1, 6 through 9, that's by faith plus works. Guess how many times he mentions repentance in the epistle to the Galatians? I'm going to go out on a limb and say the same number of times it appears in the Gospel of John. That which is tell- correct. <laughs> that tells us how a person receives eternal life. Zero time. Zero is correct. And by the way, James Dunn points out that repentance is remarkably absent in Paul's epistles. He rarely ever mentions it. Romans 2.4 is an exceedingly rare you so is it, is, uh, I'm gonna go, isn't it like four times I believe all of us, it's four times in, in 13 epistles yeah the other thing is the wrath here that you mentioned goes back to chapter 1 verse 18 the wrath of God is something that is revealed now he's not talking about hell so the wrath that the moral person says I don't deserve the wrath of God what he's talking about is things that people experience in this life right Paul is saying in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 you're just as guilty as those pagans you deserve God's wrath as well. And God is giving you the opportunity to turn so you don't experience that wrath. Right. He's not saying so you could go to heaven. 
but the wrath that Romans is talking about. Yeah, in fact, some people say when you get to Acts chapter 10, that Cornelius, who's still an unbeliever, had already repented. Now, we're not told he repented, but he's called a devout man, and his prayers and alms ascended to God. And in Acts eleven seventeen, the Jewish believers say God has granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And it's possible that's simply talking about fullness of life and a life free from the wrath of God. But it's also possible that what they're saying is this man had already repented, and that led him to be open to having everlasting life by faith in Christ. It's also possible they were confused and thought repentance was a condition of everlasting life. But in any case, Romans 2.4 is not saying that you need to repent to have everlasting life. It's not saying if you repent, you're justified. Right. All it's saying is God's kindness and goodness should lead you to turn from your sinful ways so that you do not experience the wrath that the pagans are experiencing. Exactly. This was a good exercise, Bob. Well, we may keep it going in the next one because she has a couple of... Oh, yeah, she's got a lot more. We might as well hit a couple more. Okay, we'll do that in our next one. And in the meantime... Keep grace grace in focus. Be sure to check out our daily blogs at faithalone.org. They are short and full of great teaching, just like what you've heard today. Find them at faithalone.org slash resources slash blog. We would like to thank all of our financial partners who help us keep this show going. All gifts are tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can be a financial partner, visit us at faithalone.org. On the next episode, we will look further about repentance and salvation, and I hope you will join us. Until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.